the love pit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, it's not your time yet. Wait. Wait. No, no. Get the hell out there. <laughs> you fucking sunglass slut. Uh, Dick Thanksgiving. Wiener Christmas. There it is. Wiener Christmas. <laughs> what a love. What a feel. What a feel. Gigolo Jimmy Del Rey is, is, uh, is, is, a, is a big love for me. Fuck's your problem? That's enough. Four Siamese twins up there have painted my face more than once. The devils! Cody sent you Ultimate Warrior figs. Leave my poster alone, alright? They're still going to be furious, and you're going to go to jail. <laughs> Knock your nuts, nut knocker. I don't think Michael Cole's got a signature barbecue sauce. Sorry, I just got a, I got a text regarding Bob Backlund. I have to leave your wife and start a new relationship. He's got getting hair down to his nads, so... You know, kick hardcore Bobby Walker's ass. I got remember actually being upset that this son of a bitch gets to have a tennis racket. He jumped through the window to get away from him. What an act of cowardice. It was a little bit of a Groundhog's Day. Oh, yeah. A little, little repeat love. I took you, out in a, took you out to the range, the mountain range, and showed you our, showed you our, showed you our crazy horse. Oh, yeah. All right. I know you can't see these because you're listening to us, but <laughs> I got to give a shout out to sunglasses I'm wearing today. They're coming at you straight from Ambassador Sunglasses. Thank you for the sunglasses. <laughs> Amazing plug, Duke. These are great shades that I'm now wearing that you can't see. In association with the Shining Wizards Network, Gorilla Brain Wrestling Podcast presents. Ooh, what a rush! More? I am Kevin Rogue. I'm with the championship franchiser, Mr. Duke Bags. I'm with a slimy son of a bitch. Likes to believe that Arnold Skolan has any place anywhere. Hell, they... We have a jam-packed, super-sized episode for everybody today. It is, what a rush more. And we're also going to cover some uh, some other things. We got a little Groundhog Day action. Month of February, man. We have a little Groundhog Day action. We have a little bit of Valentine's, Valentine's Day. Day. A, little, a little love. A little love's in the air. Feeling good. Feeling lovely. So... Where do you guys want to start? You want to start with a little, uh, little Groundhog Day? Well, since it kicks off the month, you know, yeah. So the, in the Groundhog Day concept, Duke, if you want to fill in everybody, this is kind of your, was this your baby or Al, was this your baby? Whose baby was this? It was, it was one of mine. Okay. Well, Al, <laughs> you want to tell everybody about your baby? So if you've uh, seen the movie Groundhog's Day and if you haven't, you know, stop right now, give it a watch, uh, Bill Murray comedic genius there but basically he has to uh spoiler alert or if you haven't seen it and didn't go watch it when i said to he has to relive the same day over and over again and i got to thinking about you know what is the one match that if you had to watch it on repeat you could watch over and over and over again if there was one match a card something like that so we've kind of limited it to a match because the cards we could get all over the place with this guys let's be honest yeah so anyone want to kick it off or you want me to oh i mean do you do you have one 
ready to yeah. rock and roll. If oh, you yeah. got one ready, man, you came prepared, hit me. It is uh it is an obscure one for sure that not a lot of other people would, but from my childhood growing up, it's not a great match either. It's a <laughs> botch finish, all this other fun White stuff. Castle? No, 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 no. <laughs> no, uh it is the main event of WrestleMania eight. My brother and I, at one point in time, could reenact the match together, like on the trampoline. Every movement, every spit take. Like, there's one part where Sid has Hogan's face and he's drawing it back, and <laughs> Hogan uh, uh, and has to spit. <laughs> you know that that is one that I don't know why it's not a great match, but the whole intro, the whole thing. Everybody thought that was Hulk Hogan's last match. I mean, my brother grew up a huge Hulkamaniac. So I'm kind of giving him a, a little homage here that, you know, we we loved that match. We would watch it over and over again. Uh, the video rental store, the local one there uh, in our hometown of Rosalie, Alabama, was that was one we burned up that tape. I mean, just wearing it out. And we watched that match just over and over again. And I still can today. That's the thing. It yeah. takes me back to all those the fond memories and things like that. And I usually crack up at some of the spots that I'd forgotten about. So, yeah. And then it comes in with the botch finish with Papa Shango and then the Ultimate Warrior returning. And it was such a big moment for wrestling fans. It's got everything. Yeah, yeah it was. Uh, I mean, I, I've obviously seen that match multiple times. But in my head, not one that. Like you would think of like, I'm going to go, I, I I can watch that one again and again and again and again. But I mean, obviously it means it's got its uh, importance to you. So that's, that's fair enough. Now I got to ask, was uh, mother day running down as Shango or no, no, we oh, had no. for that. <laughs> oh, gotcha. <laughs> and I could, like, it's not your time yet. Wait, wait, no, no, get the hell out there. <laughs> Go, go, go. We got a director and everything. It's a trampoline. It's a whole production, really. That's awesome. <laughs> Duke, a match you can watch over and over and over again. I was tempted to go to a similar, go down a similar route with what Al did because in uh, the formative years of my wrestling fandom, I you know, would rent the tape from the vid store, watch it over and over again. It was typically rumbles survivor series wrestlemanias right so i got several early rumbles just imprinted on me you know they were so much fun don't really have a favorite out of those first four or five but those you know it's tempting to go to go with something like that so still are fun to watch yeah but i'm not much of a you know pay attention to the product as closely as i should these days guy but the match that Reigns and Lesnar had at SummerSlam last year really surprised me. I could I could watch that several times and haven't gotten sick of it. Uh, they gave each other all the business, and you didn't. I didn't expect much because these guys have faced each other so many times. But you know, of course, there there's an infamous spot with the forklift or whatever uh, Lesnar's using to to you know never Wait seen that second. spot before. For, you said you can drive a forklift. <laughs> What he was driving wasn't a goddamn forklift. What was, what was that thing? I, Al, what is it? <laughs> crane, maybe? That's a front-end no, loader. That's a, a big, front... giant tractor. It's, yeah, see, ask a guy that knows. Okay. It's a front-end loader, and it's a giant tractor. <laughs> okay, fine. 
<laughs> forklift, same thing. Okay. <laughs> It'll lift. Al, Al is a forklift and a and a heavy front end loader the same thing. I mean, they accomplish the same purpose. So <laughs> I don't. I don't like no, where this not is. The same thing. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> there it is. Anyway, sorry, Duke. Go ahead. So yeah, that would be my um my most recent pick because I couldn't that that was one just that stood out to me in recent memory because I I have been critical on these guys' matches in the past. They they're both like this unstoppable powerhouse guy, but it's like nothing finishes them off. Well, in this way, in this match it was actually kind of intriguing how they kept throwing everything at each other couldn't couldn't get the guy to stay down and then the way they actually ended the match i thought was brilliant and they piled all that shit on top of lesnar <laughs> right yeah. like you can't stand if you got the you know the usos and a couple of tables and all this other shit on you know it i just thought it was great it was it was chaos but i thought you know that was a good uh i think that was one of the first big shows that triple h was in charge of as well and that that uh signified hope for me going forward with the product so that's that's gonna be my pick i think that was his the first they call them premium live events now not pay-per-views so yeah their first premium live event <laughs> ple sucks compared to ppv yeah i think part of that's just because you get to say pp it's always kind of funny uh so, <laughs> what, are so you, what are you taking there uh guy uh, that's what I was trying to. I was trying to think about like a match that would uh, that kind of always does it for me. And there's two matches that come to mind, and it's hard to decide, decide which one would be kind of the match. I think that WrestleMania 12 Iron Man match, like you can, I can still watch that, and I've seen it countless times. I can still watch that and pull things out of it. Like I can still pull out little details that each, each one of those guys, they were both at the, like the height of their game and they put on just an absolute clinic. That was a, it was a, an hour long hour plus long match at WrestleMania. Like They ate up so much of the card, but both guys deserved it. And the match itself just, it always blows me away. Like every now and again, I'll just sit down and I'll, I'll just plop it on, and just sit down and watch, you know, a, an hour long clinic of wrestling. And like they were both, they were both faces. Is the other thing. Like you got two good guys going at it for an hour, and I know they kind of pitted Brett as maybe more of the heel in it, uh, leading into it. But both guys were just absolutely over faces. Absolutely love it. That one's the one that jumps out to me. The the other one that I guess would be kind of an honorable mention is. Uh, Cody and Dustin at the that AEW pay per view. Oh, that yeah. match, that match, double or nothing. Yeah, like, yeah. like they told such a great story within the confines of the match, and then post match, the emotion from Cody, the emotion from Dustin, like that is a that is a moment that will stay with me forever because it's a moment that moved me as a fan watching it. Uh, so I, I mean, it's really a toss up between, between those two, but that, those are the ones that popped to me right away. Like just the emotional investment I had in the Cody Dustin match. And then obviously the clinic that Brett and Sean put on. I had considered that Iron Man match yeah. actually, because like you said, there's, uh, there's new stuff you're going to 
pull from it for several watchings because there's just so much action, you know. Well, that was one that it was a third of that WrestleMania, and you did not feel cheated because it was a third of that WrestleMania. Right. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. I think that was the same mania with uh, Piper and Goldie. Yep. The OJ Simpson yeah. Bronco chase. Golly, that was a mess. But yeah, it's, that's the same one. That <laughs> didn't make anybody's list. No, no, no. All right. No. Well, that's, that's not. That's not going to be. And I thought about Rumbles too, but uh, Rumbles would be such a cheap way to go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Not of the Skywalkers to uh, Chamber of Horrors match. Chamber they just got edged out. You know. Yeah. <laughs> World War Three. Any world deck, doomsday cage, Judy Bagwell on a forklift. <laughs> a lot to choose from. I think There's we got a, a few good selections, though. There, yeah, I agree. I agree. Now, guys, the other February holiday—that's a Valentine's Day, or as uh, old Al calls it over there. What is it? Uh, Dick Thanksgiving, Wiener Christmas. There it is, Wiener Christmas. <laughs> I like that. I like it too. It's it's pretty it's pretty good. Goes along coming up in April. We'll have what uh, Jenny's Easter. Or <laughs> you can figure out something with April Fool's Day, probably. Right. Right. Yeah. There's something out there. There's anyway, something, something in there. Yeah. Anyway, so for this this portion here al for uh wiener christmas what are we talking about the greatest divas or what do we what do you got i mean the one that popped no no it's not the one that popped the biggest rating all right <laughs> <laughs> it's not that uh no i just i got to thinking about it and there's a lot of different things and a lot of different stories that bring the wrestling community together not the internet wrestling community that can be toxic and full of trolls necessarily but the people that are fans especially our age and so i got to thinking about you know hey what made you fall in love with wrestling uh, what was the thing that you know valentine's day being a commercialized uh, bastardized uh proxy for love and forever <laughs> and all these wonderful things but really when you it boils down to it as a wrestling fan there's typically you know a moment a time period that made you fall in love with this sport do you want me to go first again? Because I can. I'm, yeah, I'm yeah ready. you better you better go first here. So, mine it, it it's really a time period that it just you know where it kind of comes and goes and things. But when it all started for me was again and a <laughs> I'll tell everyone this the single wide trailer in Rosalie, Alabama, off a of, you know a country road that nobody knows, setting up every Saturday morning watching Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling, getting to stay up Saturday night watching Saturday night's main event, those type that era of wrestling, the golden age. I still remember when Andre turned on Hogan. I'm I'm that old. You know, that's one of the things that I remember seeing that and being upset because I had Andre. He was one of my toys and he can't turn on Hulk Hogan. Like there's there's no way. That era, those guys made you believe it was real that made you believe it was serious. That's what they, the way that they sold it, the way that they did everything about it. Yes. There wasn't as many high flyers and, you know, big spots as you see today, but 
man, it was one of those things like old Jake the Snake promo where he gets real serious and he lowers that voice because he wants you to sink in and listen to what he's saying because he's got words, you know, that are going to mean something. Yes, most of the other promos were giant roided up dudes screaming the entire time. It was really a golden age, and that's kind of what's rooted me into fandom the whole time because I can still go back to that, the early days of the Federation, um, some old WCW or NWA matches. Man, just fun stuff. And now as an adult, going back and appreciating men like Arn Anderson and what they brought to the sport, Tully Blanchard, like it's a lot of heels really. You know, yeah. you grow to appreciate the heels more and more, how they got the butts in the seats. The, some of the storytelling between Macho Man and Hogan before WrestleMania Five and all that stuff, the Mega Powers exploding. You know, our first wrestling event, they were still the Mega Powers that I went to live. Yeah. And then I remember the night we saw when Macho turned on Hogan, and my brother had bought a you know the big poster of Macho Man at the wrestling event, and he tore it all to shreds. Which I, <laughs> I wish I had that. You know, me being the Macho guy that I am today, especially. Yeah. Yeah, that was one that it really, that time resonated with me. It was so much fun. My dad still gets excited talking about it, how he said we were there from 7.30 to 11.30. Hulk Hogan's music hit at 11.15 that night. And the crowd was still in it, still just juiced to the nine. So that's the one for me. You know, that that era, that classic era of wrestling and Hulk Hogan's rock and wrestling, Every Saturday morning with my brother. Yeah, absolutely, man. Duke, what do you what do you what do you love? Oh, there's a lot to love, man. What do you love? First thing that popped to mind was uh, Brother Love's show, right? Okay, the Love yeah. Connection. The Love. Connection. I love you. Or is that what they called it? The Love. They called the Love Connection. I think it was the Love Connection, wasn't it? No, there's no way. Love Connection was a real show. Right. Whatever it was. Anyway. Yeah, I, okay. <laughs> Brother Love's uh, version of Piper's Pit. Right, yeah. <laughs> right, right. The Love Pit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going a, I'm to a piggyback on what you were talking about there, Al, because all three of us were blessed enough to grow up in these like awesome eras of wrestling. Some of my earliest memories were actually watching Superstars of Wrestling with... Uh, my dad on Saturday mornings. This is back when we lived in a neighboring town to Lindstrom. This is before I even met uh, Kevin Rogue over there. And those were some of my earliest memories. I remember uh, the Savage and uh, the Savage and Warrior feud was going on at that time. So I, I placed myself at, like I had to be four or five at that time. So that was one of some of my earliest memories were, you know. And I was kind of hooked right away. These are, you know, real life superheroes. And then I got to mention things that came along with the whole being a wrestling fan, right? We had the wrestling buddies, you know, these little guys that you, you know, you can wrestle with, right? Became an interactive experience, right? Yeah. Uh, video games. Some of the best games ever were wrestling games, you know. The original Nintendo was the first wrestling game or first console that i had the first wrestling game i had was uh wwf challenge which is right around that same time just super cool and then so that early era i really got into 
like I said, going up to the going up to the local video store with uh, my dad or whoever, you know, spending a dollar on you know a different title every few days and just watching the shit out of it, you know. Another thing is obviously the figs, like you guys talk about on your show. It's another interactive element of the whole wrestling fan experience. Yeah, it's just kind of the whole package of there's there's nothing like professional wrestling, you know. It is like several different things, but it's like a sport, it's like a show, you know. It's just got so many different elements and those extra, you know, like the video games and the figs and stuff that I added just, you know, added an extra kind of uh, experience for for me. I guess my initial wave of fandom had waned a little bit. And then this was when Kevin Rogue and I were probably, I don't know, fourth, fifth grade, something like that is when the, the New World Order showed up. And things got to be real interesting again. And my uncle, who was living in Colorado at the time, we live in Minnesota, he would record the, I didn't have cable at the house. Kevin had cable, so I'd go over there and catch up, you know, catch up on the action. But my uncle Johnny would mail me tapes of Roz and Nitros. So granted, I'd be getting the action like a week late, but like this is pre-internet basically, so it didn't really matter. So I don't know. I got a, I got a lot of good memories. Come to, come to find out, my grandpa, who just passed last year, was a wrestling fan, and he passed it down to my dad, my uncles, and came down to me. So it's it's even la- last night, my dad and I went to a, a wrestling show. We got to there was a there was a guy there in particular that we didn't much care for. We had a lot of fun booing, but Petey Brown. <sighs> yeah, we booed him too. <laughs> One real quick thing, just kind of uh, going off of what Al was saying with with Savage, Savage and Roberts, right? How do you when that deal when their feud was going on? That seemed like these guys really hated each other. Even yeah. today, like, how do you fake getting bit by a cobra? You don't, right? Right. I right. like the story of Macho Man didn't want to get bit by the snake. Didn't and think he was made Jake get bit by it. So when he went out in the ring. Jake talks about I paintbrush that snake across. <laughs> 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 <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like oh. it was it's a show, but it's so real, you know. That was a big old goulash of an answer, but that's that's what I'm going with. Goulash. Boy, I gotta tell you guys what I love. What I, what I love, what I feel, what I need. I know you love the Gigolo Jimmy Del Rey. Gigolo Jimmy Del Rey is is uh, is is a is a big love for me. So Saturday mornings, watching whatever wrestling I could possibly get on Saturday mornings was always like always just kind of burned in my memory. Uh, there was a WCW the RoboCop event and Capital Combat. Capital Combat, yeah, and so I. Cave, uh, Cave, my father, had already introduced me to professional wrestling before this. He had a, you know, he's a working guy, right? He's a, he's a laborer his entire life. That's, that's what he is. He's, he's hands-on working man. You see him, he's wearing a work flannel always. But he had one shirt that he would wear every now and again that was always clean. He always made sure it was nice. It was his Hulkamania shirt. 
and it was always like it, it always looked nice. He he always so that I to me I was like okay well that's something like that's something special. So he obviously introduced me to uh, Hulkamania, and I was a little Hulkamaniac, right? Love loved getting into Hulkamania, and like to me the the cross of the dramatic and the athletic always drew me in. So it was always fun to like, you got your theatrics with the Hulkster and, and you got all that, but then you would watch, you know, a guy like Randy and you got your, your over the top athletics. And, and I think that that's for me kind of what really drew me in was just the, the, the cross section of, okay, this is, this is sport and this is show. And, and I'm sold over and over again. I say Saturday mornings, nothing like Saturday mornings, like waking up and just waiting to watch, just waiting to watch the, the damn wrestling. And then wrestling got done, and then it was what? You try and figure out what to do. You got to wrestle. You got to find a wrestling tape. You got to you gotta go out in the backyard and beat beat your, your neighbor like in, in the NWC or NCW. That's what NCW. They you. Yeah. So, like, it was, uh, it was, it was always. It was always very important. Like wrestling, always played a role. It was always around. It was always an escape. And, and I mean, that's like what all of us kind of really love about it is that it's it's, it's escape. It's it draws you in. It's it's you can focus on, you know, this. Uh, furthermore, there was there's one match that or one series of matches that I can remember. And I mean, there was there was different times throughout when I was younger. I mean, I know Cave let me skip school one day. So I could take a nap because we were staying up late to watch the Royal Rumble. Like there's the, like there's nice. stuff like that, and I was like, man, that's like I get to not go to school because I get to stay up late and watch the Royal Rumble. Like cool things like that, like made me like latch on to wrestling and connect to wrestling because if I was able to not go to school because I needed to take a nap because I got to stay up and watch this, this must be, must be, this is like a presidential fucking address. You know what I mean? Like this, the wrestling is important. Um, and then the, the, the match that I always like go back and latch onto for the crossing of the dramatics and the athletics. So on WCW worldwide, they did a series of matches with Ric Flair and William Regal. For the boy, was it the Queensberry Cup? I believe that's what it was. I could be yeah. wrong, but like that's like I I didn't want to wait until the following week. Like I was like, no, now, now, keep going. Like I need the next one of these matches now. Like it was, it was the, it was the first time that you know on Saturday mornings you got done with wrestling, you wanted to see next Saturday, but you knew you waited, and it was fine. Like yeah, I'll get some tapes and all that kind of stuff. That series of matches with, with William Regan and Ric Flair, that was the first time I was like, I don't want to wait. Like, I'm, I'm, I want more, and I want more of it now. So, uh, it's stuff like that that's always kind of kept me, kept me connected to it. Uh, and then just the, the way that you can take people from all different walks of backgrounds, all different uh, walks of lifestyles, uh, you can put them in an arena together and it wipes away like everything else because in that moment you're a wrestling fan with other wrestling fans and it doesn't matter your 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 religion your sex your creed none of that matters you're just wrestling fans together at a wrestling show 
And it like wrestling brings people to, it divides the shit out of people, but it brings people together in the moment. And, and that's one of the things that I appreciate the most about it now, because not much brings people together like wrestling does when you get them all in an audience and they're all focused on what's in front of them. And it's, it's, it's fantastic, man. It's, it's absolutely phenomenal. That's what I love. I don't think I was ever defeated for that neighborhood championship belt. Well, you have to talk to the commissioner. Oh, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> Where's the commissioner at? Where's the commissioner at? Yeah. Uh, two doors down. Parts unknown? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that, g- that gave us our, uh, we got we got our Groundhog Day action. We got our love out of the, out of the way. I love in. Now. To get to the part we named this episode, what a rush more. So, Al, this is another one of your babies. Tell me about your baby. Well, we uh, we did that. We just made a list quite often, and one of the things that. Uh, you always hear from the wrestling, like the internet wrestling community, wrestling writers, things like that. Who is your Mount Rushmore of wrestling? But uh, we decided, you know, in our group chat there to uh, take it a little little differently. So we're going to present you guys with uh, three Mount Rushmores. And it's not the greatest wrestlers of all time or anything like that, because that's a we just made a list episode where we're going to be comparing and then try to give you a finalized one. No, we each uh, basically took a category and we're going to present you with our individual categories and our individual Mount Rushmore's. We might talk about some honorable mentions. I know uh, Kevin mentioned that the uh, there's the Crazy Horse Memorial or the monument behind Mount Rushmore that's being built. So he, he might have something for that in his particular uh, grouping. But uh, do we want to tell him what everybody's going to be doing the Mount Rushmore for here? Yeah, I think uh, we all kind of picked things that were kind of near and dear to us, kind of closer to our own, our own expertises, I guess, would be a, a way to go. So I... I, I I'm going wrestling managers. It's going to be my, my Mount Rushmore. It's something that I know just a little bit about. Uh, <clears throat> I, Very little. I know. Uh, I, have a, I have a little bit of a connection to probably the, I mean, he's been labeled the most dangerous manager on the market right now. So uh, I'm going to go managers. I think, Duke, you gave me a weird face right there. <laughs> Fuck's your problem. <laughs> Just carry on there, man. <laughs> that's, an, that's enough. Uh, so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Managers, Al. What? What are you? Your 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 Mount Rushmore topic. So we uh we've discussed a lot of things, and uh, I'm a big fan of the the face paint and a lot. So I'm gonna go uh, the Mount Rushmore of face painted wrestlers. It's uh oh. it's gonna be interesting. There's no vampiro. On my my Mount Rushmore, I'm going to go ahead and tell you that, Kevin. No, Vampiro, no, no, no vamp. Vampiro. 
And Al, I mean, don't sell yourself short. You are also one hell of an artist, so this does kind of fall right into your your wheelhouse. I have painted my face more than once uh, for sporting <laughs> events or the devils. Yeah, I mean, just a lot of a lot of different things like the Ultimate Warrior, the Legion of Doom, like you know, a lot of uh, different style paints for uh, games that I've played in, as well as games that I've attended painted other people's faces for that reason you know good times so yeah. duke you're uh your your rushmore topic i'm gonna go with commentators here i like to commentate you know there's a lot of a lot of good ones to choose from i was torn about whether to go with the you know most rushmore of teams but then we you know have a issue with four siamese twins up there <laughs> so I'm going to narrow it down to four individuals. I haven't decided if I'm just going to go color guys or or I got I got color a color guy list and I got a play-by-play guy list. Just it's going to depend on how I feel. Yeah, at the time. I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. Well, Al, how are you feeling right now? You feeling like you want to you want to bust out the chisel and uh, knock out your your Mount Rushmore? Absolutely. So, uh I told these guys before we hit record that Mine, when it comes to face paint, um, really, if you're going to do a Mount Rushmore, it needs to be recognizable. It doesn't have to necessarily do with their win-loss record, although the the first one on my list had an obscene win-loss record in the Federation. Uh, But mine was, if I painted it on Mount Rushmore, not saying to go graffiti Mount Rushmore, it's a (laughs) national park, and I'm not giving anyone ideas, don't paint Mount Rushmore. At all, probably but, felony. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure uh, that's probably a felony per face that you paint. <laughs> but what if it looks great? It, what if it look en- enhances awesome. the like enhances the uh, the feature there. <laughs> They're still going to be furious, and you're going to go to jail. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that sucks. A felony for making things better. <laughs> yeah, but mine was the uh, if you painted these styles onto Mount Rushmore instantly that's who this is this is this guy yeah uh i had a lot of debates going back and forth and i gotta split up tag teams even you know like it's one of those things that uh because it's my mount rushmore and trying to make the decision but the first i mean the the most recognizable face paint especially to anyone of our era of wrestling fans it's got to be the warrior you know that insignia you know the around the face and everything like that you put that on mount rushmore so it's the ultimate warrior 100 percent, hands down is there is there can you tell me anything about the his face paint do you have any knowledge about where the design comes from or anything like that from what i understand it was just a random pattern that he painted on his face back in the Mid-South, I think it was Bill Watts that he worked for, that the Dingo Warrior, that that kind of pattern, and it just stuck. It was a pattern he could paint and, gotcha. you know, enjoyed painting, I guess. You know, I don't know if there's any symbolism or anything like that to it. Uh, I don't believe there necessarily is. I could be wrong. You know, anyone can feel free to reach out to us, let us know. But, yeah, that Warrior paint scheme, you see that shape, that's automatic mind is drawn that's ultimate warrior yeah that's a good pick 
So the uh, he would do different different color schemes too, but it would always be like the same. Yeah, right. Do you do you have like a favorite color scheme that he had? So I have a poster from that same wrestling event we mentioned back in, uh, I think that was eighty eight. I think November of 88, we went to a wrestling event. And uh, that one, he's in orange trunks, and it's orange, white, and yellow. There is a basic figure with that color scheme on it. That, that's that's always my favorite because I had that post. I've still got that post over here, actually. Like, it's rolled up right now. It's not displayed. But, yeah, the poster still exists in my possession. Uh, my buddy Steven constantly wants to buy it from me. But when are you going to let that go? <laughs> Never. <laughs> When are you gonna let it go? Yeah, Yeah, I've already sent you Ultimate Warrior figs. Leave my poster alone, all right? (laughs) But uh, the second one, uh, it's it was tough to pick which version, but I feel like the the more iconic because he was random when he was a surfer, but when he got a little darkness to him, uh, the the stinger. Okay. It's definitely on this Mount Rushmore list. That, that crow style face paint, you know, still uses it today. Mm-hmm. Uh, still very recognizable. I mean that that era of wrestling, the Attitude Era and the NWO versus WCW era, is some of the most fun I've had in my life. Uh, seeing dude drop mm-hmm. from the ceiling, uh, you know, on that zip line to clear out the ring with a baseball bat. You know, good stuff. Yeah, I would say Sting is definitely on Mount Rushmore. That you paint that on there. Oh yeah, it's Sting. <laughs> Stinger, Stinger. I, I really wanted to go with Surfer Sting there, but you know, it's kind of that was a more fun era. Yeah. But he always changed it up. Like he really liked to be unique every time he painted that. So you could do a whole Mount Rushmore of just Stinger makeups. Oh, you absolutely could. Yeah. And they'd all be yeah. like real different too I, the warrior always had the same and the uh, stinger kind of had a different scheme every few years it seemed yeah but good yeah, pick but, so far yeah can't argue with those well, number three is the the first tag team i get split up because my most recognizable is from the lod days and it's animal with the spider with mm. you know the points like it's like a spider on a spider kind of thing if yeah. you look at that particular design uh, just for uniqueness, he changed up a couple of colors here and there, but for the most part, the same. You know, the main color pattern was the background for the black spider on his forehead with white accents, you know, and the black outlining and things like that. Just a classic, classic look. That was one of the face paints that, like, it always kind of burned into my brain. Uh, because, like I said, a spider on top of the spider. But there was times when you would look at it and, like, pause the VHS. And you, like, really focus in. You're like, how? Who does this? Who paints this? Because sometimes it was, like, overly detailed. And it always shocked me. Do you know if he did his own face paint? He did. Yeah. I mean, to have to have the hand to be able to do that, uh, I mean, on your own face, with the detail that was in there at time, it... It always, it always blew me. I was always, I was hoping that if you were going to pull an LOD, it was going to be animal. Because if it was hawk, I was going to, I was going to have to knock your nuts, nut knocker. Yeah, yeah. Hawk uh, missed the cut on this one for me. Just yeah. too basic. I mean, I liked it, and it's a signature look. 
But mm-hmm. I, I'm kind of with DJ from the Run In podcast. Of I like the old WCW NWA when it was actually a hawk. It was very similar to the Warrior face paint, right. yeah. you know, as far as shape wise. And that may be why the WWF, you know, pushed to change that. Well, isn't it like isn't it a wing on each on each side of his face essentially? So there's like a red, you know, kind of like wing hanging down, like it's just but the fanned wing over one side, and then you know the red under just under the eye on the other side. For yeah, Hall. yeah. I thought about giving Taylor some love, just saying Bull Nakano here, just for. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a if I painted it on there. You know who that is. And I'm going to go. It's out of the box. <laughs> it's the boogeyman. Like that face paint. <laughs> you throw that face paint down. Man, that's the boogeyman. That's, yeah. He's not as well known across generations of wrestling fans. But man, that's a signature. Like you got that creepy red face with the black and yeah. everything. Man. Okay. I did not include my favorite face paint, like, you know, demolition of all time, you know, because I'm like, you could kind of misconstrue, like, I really wanted to put Axe on there somehow. But, but man, that, if I painted these on there, you know, these guys, okay, yep, that's who that is. Right. You're a wrestling fan. Yep, that's 100% who this is. And I think Axe was always one that stood out, like, always. But that's that's, the Boogie Band pick is, uh, a little out of left field for me, but uh, you're you're absolutely right. It is one of those face paints where you know if it's That's on where whatever he edged it out is, axe it's, for me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And axe is my favorite of demolition, so that's that's hard to do. But <laughs> man, the boogeyman would have made a great Dungeon of Doom member. Oh yeah, yeah. He came around a little bit too late. I mean, down there you got a couple dishonorable mentions, right? We got the Zodiac. Yes. Great, great face paint. Uh, Shark had some kind of weird face paint, right? Yeah, Shark had yep. some. It was. I don't know. Sometimes it was just yeah. Well, he had the teeth, had but the, sometimes it was just weird. Like I'll just gonna put yeah. a fin on my face. It's very strange. The, the task with the eyebrows up here that was a weird look. It was a beautiful. So look. he would have fit right in there for sure. Oh. Yeah, yeah. That was there's Vampiro. Vampiro. Uh, uh, Kiss demon. <laughs> Bull Nakano, Luna Vachon, like that was some that painted their face. It was really hard. Like it was down to three on that last one. And it was, mm. um, of course, Boogeyman, but Axe and Gold Dust. Gold Dust, right? Yeah. Man, it was Gold Dust. It was tough. I was like, oh, like that's, that's tough, but I wanted that. I went with the more unique one, you know, that was kind of out of left field. Yeah. And gold dust. He had some iterations, like some different changes yeah. in it. Like, And I'm more of the closer to the original, like the gold face, you know, kind of black eyeshadow and things like that. Oh. The Man, black so lipstick. That is, that, is a, that is a hell of a rush more, Al. I think you put your, your, your chisel away. It's a job well done. Duke, you got uh, commentators, Mount Rushmore of commentators. So if you want to start carving your uh, carving your shits up, 
What do you guys think? Uh, color guy or play-by-play guy, or should I go mixed bag here? I mean, it's 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 your Mount Rushmore. That's true. They got similar but different jobs. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, we'll just go straight commentators. I'll, there's plenty of honorable mentions here, but there's uh, there's some standouts. My first two were the the team for probably the first dozen or so events that I saw. Um, Jesse the Body Ventura, Gorilla Monsoon. Jesse the Body Ventura, I think he was, like I said, he was the first uh, color guy that I saw, but also probably one of the first, like, heel guys in the booth, right? Really created a cool dynamic with Monsoon. Yeah, Jesse the Body, and he was usually... It was kind of he provided a certain kind of intrigue being the heel guy in the booth because he would convince you that Hulk Hogan was a piece of garbage and Randy Savage was you know an upstanding individual who deserved to win because he's a better guy you know he would throw swerves in there and stuff it was uh, I'm, I'm talking of course you know in the mega fo- mega powers feud when the he, he did a really good job with that super fun to listen to it made those first you know, seven or eight or whatever it was, probably seven or eight manias and all the other shows surrounding them that much more enjoyable. Uh, there's a good chance I wouldn't be as into wrestling if it wasn't for guys like these. So I got to throw them two up there. There's going to be an obvious omission here with uh, the body successor because I'm hoping that he's on Kevin Rogue's list, right? Bobby Brainheen. Yeah. So if he's not on Kevin Rogue's list, I'm gonna I'm gonna put him in into mine because he might have been the best color guy there ever was. But to round it out, you got Jim Ross. Didn't really want to pick Jim Ross because that was too like kind of too easy of a pick. Yeah. But he's probably you know, as far as when you're thinking about so many important moments throughout the, you know, you you when you think back on matches, you hear like the matches through his voice, if that makes sense, you know. Yes. Um so I gotta throw Jim Ross on there. And the last selection gonna be coming from our last couple seasons of the year of Tony Schiavone. I thought he was gonna swerve Kevin and say Mark Madden right there. <laughs> he makes the 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 Mount Rushmore of crap commentators that's for sure mark madden yes but tony Schiavone, you know basically the voice of wcw he was surrounded by at times great sidekicks and at other times really insufferable goons who were probably tough to tough to sit next to but the team that he had with bobby the brain and uh dusty i think was that was a great team that made that made the experience of watching through that third season of episodes, the 90, 1996 episodes, much more enjoyable. So I got Jesse the Body, Gorilla Monsoon, Jim Ross, Tony Schiavone. There's probably loads of honorable mentions, right? Yeah. Got Bobby, obviously. Michael Cole's been around forever. I was I was given, just going to ask you about, about Michael Cole. Because... The Cal Ripken Award, I guess. Yeah, because you have uh, like Jr. Obviously, one of the 
most memorable voices in wrestling and one of the best, I mean, to do it, but Michael Cole's been around and he's had, he's made some great calls over the years and he's been around for, you know, a a damn long time. Do you think that Jr. was, uh, he benefited from the era in which he was the main guy on Monday nights? You know what I mean? Like, do you think that a guy like Michael Cole, if you put Michael Cole in that position back then, do you think that that changes anything at all? Because he's calling the moments, and the moments were huge at the time. So do you, do you kind of get what I'm asking? Yeah, he started back in – Cole started right at that time, I think, going to 97, 98, but he was backstage, backstage guy, guy for a while. Yep. JR is the complete package, man. Okay. He's got all the knowledge. He's got the cowboy hat. He's got the, you know, he's fun to listen to. Him and Lawler was an obvious uh, early or obvious like late cut because that that team would have made my team of, you know, well. uh, best or my Mount Rushmore of teams. Would right? your would but, your teams have been something like King and Jr. Gorilla and Bobby, Gorilla and Ventura, and then Tony and Bobby. Probably something like that. I'd probably no. make an effort to not, uh, you know, duplicate a guy up there. So, I mean, if you already got two forehead or, you know, four two head guys up there. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> but. Yeah, so I, I do I do get what you're saying. I think Michael Cole being JR always even when they had JR like they they wanted to make him a bad guy and it didn't work. He was always kind of a lovable character to me. Michael Cole for at least half of his his reign was not a likable character. Right. You know, he's more so become uh easier to listen to I think lately. Yeah. The past several years, but he did play just a straight dick you know, guy you weren't supposed to like. So I guess he succeeded in that, but yeah, for most of the I last still take decade, I'd still take strength. JR. I don't think Michael Cole's got a signature barbecue sauce. <laughs> for what that's worth. I don't got a Michael Cole figure, man. I got a JR. That's true. I wonder if they ever oh, they I ever release him I was gonna say him and his WrestleMania gear, maybe. Yeah. No. Okay. <laughs> All-time classic. Yeah. <laughs> um, can you guys think of any other uh, any other guys that I missed? I think I covered kind of the 80s, Vincent 90s. Kennedy McMahon mm-hmm. on commentary. I was thinking about him. His, his over-exaggerated, uh, you know, takes were, they were staples of these shows, right? Like, Repo Man. Repo man, don't tell me he's going to win this thing. You know? <laughs> Fucking barbarian, don't tell me he's going all the way to WrestleMania. <laughs> you know, every guy that would enter, enter the Royal Rumble fray would get that sort of treatment. Yeah. And plus, every, like, high-profile match or even, like, opening match, really, whenever there was a close two, you know, it's the one, two, and he got him, you know. Oh, oh, he didn't Listen, get <laughs> Yep, yep, yep. That was that was. He could be kind of annoying there, but I can see I could see that pick. Obviously, the intros. He obviously knows what he's talking about. Rumble, 
when Vince was reading off the card, yeah. just yelling at you for the first 10 minutes of every paper. <laughs> that, that was good stuff, actually. That got me pumped up for those shows. McMahon just... <laughs> the ultimate warrior. <laughs> well, <laughs> like, especially in those rumble opens where he'd be like, tugboat! Fucking <laughs> <No. laughs> him on tugboat, all right. Yeah. Like 30 guys back to back, he's just yelling at you. Like, and as good oh, as the Rumble ones are, I think the Survivor Series ones are that much better. Yes. Because it's the uh, captain by team, Rowdy Roddy Piper. <laughs> he just fucking, he just, ah, oh, it's so good. So the Survivor Series ones always got me a little bit more than the Rumble ones. Yeah. Yeah. They, uh, one team that I think was. They get overlooked because it was kind of a a mixed bag tenure. But Shivani and Ventura, I enjoyed in some WCW there in that early 90s era. Yeah. You know, I thought that was a good dynamic because, again, it's Jesse, like Tony being just the straight man, you know, calling right. the play by play. And then you've got you inject Jesse into it. Yeah, that might be, uh, that's an idea for our next year of season. I'd like to check some more of that action out because I've, I've seen a couple of those shows but he, i think he was only with them for about a year i'm talking about jesse the body here before he kind of got out of the game and got into politics but yeah i'm not yeah, sure how long it was run. Run. it was a little but, while uh, all right well uh i think we got our final mount rushmore coming up here kevin rogue is gonna Give us his top managers. Who belongs up there, man? Sorry, I just got a I got a text regarding Bob Backlund. So, anyways, uh, <laughs> I'm not lying. I'm not lying. Just got a text regarding Bob Backlund. Says uh, my brother's new girlfriend just brought up that Bob Backlund was from Princeton. I might have to like her. You might sure. have to. You might have Doesn't to. Hurt. Be- might have to be leaving your wife and starting a new relationship. <laughs> Going usher on the bits. <laughs> hey, speaking of Backlund, did I did I include a Backlund in your in your yeah. pack? Yeah, it's oh. point. Remember that? See again, Al. This is a relationship for over thirty years. <laughs> Remember, I did this. I said it's right here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there he is. Yeah, I, I pointed at him. Okay. Oh, bad. So what, what am I doing again now? Doing your Mount Rushmore of managers. Gotcha. Yes. Mount Rushmore of managers. So managers are always a, they're just such a phenomenal accent piece to the wrestler. They're a, a great tool within the show, the match, the night. I mean, managers are, it's a, a good manager is it's just invaluable to what is happening in the match. Um, and you can look at guys that are you know, mouthpiece managers. You can look at guys that are active managers. You can look at guys like... There's so many different styles of being a manager, and I don't know that there's necessarily a right or wrong way. As long as we're, you're, you're, you are where you need to be, you're engaging the audience. You're not taking away from the match. Like there are so many incredible managers through the years. First, first one that goes up on the on on my mount here is uh, 
Bobby the Brain. And Bobby the Brain was, I think most people remember him more for his mouth than anything. Oh, yeah. But (laughs) But he was, I mean, he he was just the right amount of active. He was. You never saw him like running around the ring or anything like. But he would. He would grab the leg every now and again. He would choke a guy here and there. He was just the right amount of active and not over the top. And the promos that he could cut were just amazing. So I mean, Bobby the Brain. I don't think that if it is a Mount Rushmore of commentators, if it's a Mount Rushmore of managers, if it's a Mount Rushmore of just wrestling minds. I think Bobby's on that list. He is. He is. I mean, he was. He was a treasure, man. He was an absolute treasure. So on the other side of that, Jimmy Hart, and I kind of went a little bit back and forth with Jimmy, because Jimmy, there are times when he drives me nuts, just nuts, because he takes, like, he's taking attention away from the match. You know what I mean? Like, he's so over-the-top, running around, jumping around everywhere. He's taking attention away from the match. And that that kind of bothered me about Jimmy. But you look at a, a guy that can work face manager very well and heel manager very well. And it's not easy to be a face manager. Like, it's just not. It's not an easy role to be in. So, uh, And he did it very, very well. And it's He's... Uh, the, the megaphone gimmick, always loved that. It's just, I mean, he was he was good. He was he was absolutely good. And the, the Carson City silver dollar fucking match, when he, sh- the athleticism that he showed when he jumped up that pole, man, and like and like even like the like the small things that he did, like he was a heel manager in that match, and when he got the coins, and then was it uh, big old tent John Tenta started going over, and the, the crowd started cheering because John Tenta was going to get Jimmy, and he reacted like they were cheering for him. Like, in that moment, like, it's just brilliant. And the more I watch of Jimmy Hart, the more I see, like, just those those little brilliant, subtle things. I'm like, oh, that's good. Oh, that's good. I mean, there are times where it's a little over the top, but there's a lot of, oh, that's good. So this one, the the third one that I, that I uh, carve out here, I don't know if everybody's going to be on the same page with me on this one, but I got to say, I'm impressed with the first two. Oh, thanks. Thanks buddy. Uh, do you remember what the first two were? <laughs> I'm just busting your balls, yeah, man. Yeah, uh, man. Mr. Megaphone and whoever the first guy you talked about was. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, so, he managed, he wrestled, but he also managed. I'm talking about the taskmaster, guys, the taskmaster. I think when you get a guy that has that legitimacy to him, like he was a wrestler, right? He was he was a guy that could go. But having him on the outside working as a manager always adds just that extra little level. Just an extra level of, oh, shit, he's not just a manager that's going to run. He's not just a manager that's going to going to cower. This is a manager that, that could, you know, kick hard work Bobby Walker's ass. So it's uh, like that level of it always kind of was brought a little bit of intrigue to me as with, with him as a manager. Obviously, out of the Dungeon of Doom, 
I mean, you never had the the master never went out there to manage any matches. It was always the task. So what, what he did with the uh, with the dungeon of doom, all that stuff, is so much fun. Task is on my is on my mount. Yeah, master had to stay down in the dungeon and yeah. hold it down. Yeah. Well, well, the task was all performing tasks. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> makes, yeah. Makes makes perfect sense. So. This is where I think it gets. The task st- belongs up there, huh? I think the task belongs up there, yeah. And I All think right. so. And it was kind of between him. I think Harley as a manager is is super important. Uh, I, again, this is one of those guys that's like legitimate tough guy, legitimate badass, but he's also now a manager. It's like whoa, okay. Lead, lead puts another layer on it, and that's kind of where I was going. And it was it was between Harley and Task. I, I, I would Task. Now, the next guy. It's where it gets tricky. It's where it gets tricky, but I think I think what do you what do you what are you hand gesturing for? Oh, not, you, I'm doing a little <laughs> swat. What are you swatting? The correct choice is a guy who carries around a thing that you swat. Oh, I thought he's got I thought that mane had fleas. <laughs> <laughs> For all those listening, Duke's it looks like he's swatting flies in the air. <laughs> Duke's got got hair down to his nad, so uh, so good <laughs> day. Yeah. yeah, get a haircut and get a real job. So <laughs> the uh, it's 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 Jim Cornette and Jim Cornette. With his, like, they told a background story with Jim Cornette, which you didn't always get with your managers. Uh, but he had a whole background story. He had one, he was one of the best mouthpieces out there. And the way that he always delivered his lines, like, he had a different style of delivery where it was, it was quick, 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 powerful point, powerful point, quick, 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 powerful point. Like, it was, he was just so, so damn good. The right amount of, I guess physical in the match. You know what I mean? He was he wasn't as as jumping around as as uh, a guy like Jimmy. You know what I mean? He wasn't as crazy as Jimmy. He was almost like a nice blend in between, like a Heenan and a Jimmy, right? Because he didn't go super over the top. He wasn't super understated. He was just he ran that fine line, and that that damn racket that Duke uses to <laughs> shoo the flies away <laughs> of his mane. Uh, it was a unique, like it was a unique item to bring to the ring. You know what I mean? Like it was just different, and it was, mm-hmm. it was nice. It wasn't a cane like Fuji, right? It wasn't a, you know, a damn megaphone. It was, it was something different. Like having that damn racket with him was always. So, and I hated it. I hated when he had that racket because it's like, what are you doing? Why do they even? Like I remember watching wrestling, going, why do they even allow him to bring? A tennis racket to the ring like the referee should take that from him he shouldn't be allowed the tennis racket like i remember actually being upset that this son of a bitch gets to have a tennis racket i was like man well maybe the wrestlers should start bringing you know sporting equipment down there anybody got like a croquet mallet like <laughs> just bring stuff with you why not so uh but again his his promos were always just fantastic and he did a really, really good job of pumping up his guys to make them like feel, even if they weren't very big, 
feel big. Like he had a way to make his guys set his guys apart, make his guys a little bit more unique and make his guys seem like a little bit more of a threat. Just a fantastic manager, just a fantastic manager and, and a really uh, outstanding wrestling mind as well. Well, to, to come where he's from, like that Southern wrestling, you know, you are always like, especially most wrestling fans are poor down here. Yeah. Like they, you know, didn't have a lot. So this was their one thing. And to have a guy just kind of spracking off about his, his wealth, you know, his little trust fund, mama pays for everything. Mama takes care of everything. You know, back then when he started, you know, the only people that played tennis were country club members. So it was, you know, a big to do that, that story. And I, I'm glad, like, I was like you, why does he get to bring the racket to the ring? You, you shouldn't be able, allowed to do so. This is, this is illegal, man. You could, but his facials, his selling. Yeah. If you didn't have him on there, I was, I was going to be a little upset with you, Kevin, because I was like, this is a, this is a must add. I'll give you a task and your, the, the randomness that that was. That, but yeah, Jim Cornette, very special. Um, he loves wrestling and his takes on wrestling. I don't agree with all of his takes. You know, right. He can get, get off the rails quickly with people, but um, his takes on wrestling and a love for wrestling yeah. is just outstanding. Now I do have uh, on the backside of Rushmore, we got a crazy horse. And uh, if I was going to, if I was going to make a crazy horse monument to go behind my, my Rushmore, A little manager in uh, WCW towards its dying days. Oklahoma. I hated Oklahoma. And I think part of it was I maybe I just didn't get the bit. But the bit is amazing. Like Oklahoma is hilarious. He's like and he did stupid like stupid shit in the ring that made me laugh. Like him with the, his little hop up delayed boots to people like I as much as I want to steal that like his kicks I can't because they look so over the top fucking stupid I can't bring myself to look that stupid but Oklahoma can like he can do it he's oh man you know there's there's a there's there's a man for his time and place in, in every era and Oklahoma was that man for his time and his place and he like I said the bit was it, it's just over the top hilarious. So again, if I was gonna if I was gonna prop up a little crazy horse action, that'd be Oklahoma. Where you got where you got Paul Bearer in there? So Paul Bearer, quite honestly, he is he's a good manager, but he didn't really he didn't really cross my mind. Uh. Mm. When in like in the confines of breaking down to a to four, you know what I mean? Like he would definitely be in a ten. Right. Like in a ten, right. he's in, but in a four, he's he's not. So he had he wasn't very he was active. a one man guy, right? He was, well, I mean, yeah. If you're just if you're just looking at Paul Bear, he wasn't super active outside of the ring. He didn't get involved. You know, he didn't get involved an awful lot. Is when he first started with Taker, it was essentially just holding the urn, right? Getting the holding the urn. I, the, the promos, especially back then, was there were pretty much always taped promos. 
So, I mean, you give anybody enough time, enough, enough wax at a tape promo, you'll get something out of it. So when where you look at a guy like Bobby or a guy like uh, Cornette or, you know, Task, you're going to get a live promo that's good. Where when he was Paul Bearer, you never really got too many live promos from, from him that were, like, memorable. You know what I mean? There was no, they never really stood out. It was just another Paul Bearer moment. So, yeah, he's not... He'd probably make my top ten, but not a Mount Rushmore. What's your favorite task promo? <sighs> I, th- I think we we both know which which one it is. Come on now, let's <laughs> not be fucking ridiculous. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not breaking task out. All right, he's he's not showing up. But it does involve picking somebody up from the airport. <laughs> well. <laughs> going back to Bobby and just the genius that he was, like his promos, I still go back to the barbershop window incident where, did you see Janetti? Yeah, he jumped through the window to get away from him. What an act of cowardice. <laughs> He's a genius. And two seconds before that, when they're, you know, Sean's raising Marty's hand, right? Yeah. It's like, see, he's nothing without Janetti. <laughs> he slams him through the deal. See, I, I told, I knew he was going to do that. Well, that was yeah, that was the best part. Is the, yeah, he just the, the whole puppet. He's nothing without Genetti, and then he super kicks him. And as soon as the super kicks, super kick lands, Bobby goes, "I just, I knew he was just going to do that." <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't need Genetti. Yeah. <laughs> the way he, the, yeah. the one eightying on himself <laughs> was it's just perfect. This is perfect. Yeah, he's he's got to be the MVP of today's uh, Rushmore episode because he oh, deserves yeah. to be on two of them. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I forgot which WrestleMania it was that somebody picked up the ring bell to use as the foreign object, and he's like, "Use it, use it." He's like, "Remember that old saying? What the hell? Use the bell." <laughs> <laughs> Bobby's special. Yeah, yeah, he, he was he was absolutely special. Yeah, I might, I might have to go watch some old uh, some old footage after yeah. today. It was a good episode today. Yeah, it was a good it was a good little February uh, February shooter here. Uh, any uh, any final final thoughts, closing arguments before we we wrap this this bad boy up? None that come to mind for me. Yeah, Lee, I didn't no. declare a moment of silence. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Bobby Heenan, moment, moment of silence. silence. And with that, we'll put a bow on this one. Thank you, everybody, for uh, hanging out with us, watching, talking a little, talking a little wrestling action. Al with his face paint. Duke with his commentators, me with my managers. Told you a little bit about love. Told you a little bit about, told a little bit about Groundhog's Day. Oh yeah, a little, little repeat love. I took you out in a took you out to the range, the mountain range, and showed you our showed you our <laughs> crazy horse. <laughs> showed you our crazy horse. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Six more weeks of winter. Duke's <laughs> <laughs> like, it's been very cold outside. <laughs> I was in the pool. I was in the pool. 
Thank you, everybody, for joining us. This is this has been fun. Uh, you could follow uh, the uh, Gorilla Brain Wrestling Podcast on uh, Twitter at GBW Pods. Al, you got all the you got all the stuff written down, right? Yeah, the uh, Twitter GBW Pods. So is Instagram at GBW Pods, and then you can go to Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash Gorilla Brain Podcast. Nailed it. That, those are the those are the plugs. Go buy yourself a sweet sweet. GBW Pods T-shirt at Gorilla at what the hell's that? Hell, www.prowrestlingtees.com slash Gorilla Brain. There it is, man. Nailed it, nailed it. All right. I know you can't see these because you're listening to us, but <laughs> I got to give a shout out to sunglasses I'm wearing today. They're coming at you straight from Ambassador Sunglasses. Thank you for the sunglasses. Fucking amazing, amazing plug, dude. These great shades that I'm now wearing that you can't see. (laughs) Big thank you to Ambassador. (laughs) You fucking sunglass slut. Anyways, I'm going to close this out. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. We will see you again next month for a very special GBW podcast. Take care. See you later. That's the best.